0: It's show 135 of the Rim Pro Report today. Craig Bush and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software did you know that O'Neill generates over 15 million? That's 15 million barcode labels a year. Why? Because generating barcode labels for the average rim company can only be described as a nuisance at best. Maintaining printers, labor costs, ordering and inventorying labels, dealing with software and keeping track of serial number sequences is time consuming and a costly distraction. So O'Neill does it for you. And if that interests you, you can learn more about it at o'neilsoft.com i think the time has come so let's make it happen all right here we go Welcome to the RIM Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Hustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, bonjour, guten talk, buenos dias, sony, bononi, and shalom. And hello to you in the language you speak today, RIM Nation. Officially, I am required to inform you that the rest of this show is not. Now in English, you can be thankful for that because I'm not really much of a linguist. Now, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and listen to the last two shows we did with Richard Reese. These shows provide so much information that you'd be crazy not to listen to them. Today, I'm excited to have Craig Bush on the show. Craig is the founder and president of Bush Systems based in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. Craig has been part of the shred and rim industry for a long time now, specifically connected to things like all big dog shred bins, and net gain. Craig is someone I've known for a number of years, and I've always been impressed By his entrepreneurial spirit. So, today I'm going to talk to him about his story and a whole lot more. But before I get Craig on the line, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. Hey, good news. Nade and Prism have officially set and confirmed the 2013 European Information Management Conference to be held from November 10th to 12th in Amsterdam at the Renaissance Amsterdam Hotel. The location is magnificent right downtown, just a short walk from Central Station. Having been to Amsterdam, I can say this is one of my favorite cities. So mark your calendar. For this show today, details and registration will become available in the months ahead. And just a reminder that registration and hotel is still open for the 2013 PRISM International Annual Conference to be held in Bonita Springs, Florida, May 13th to 16th. You can get all the info at the PRISM website, prismintl.org. Congratulations to the 28 individuals that passed NAID's CSDS certification during testing at the recent NADE conference. If you didn't know, this test consists of 300 questions about data protection, legislation, physical security, risk management, operations, and records management. It's designed to confirm the one who passes has competency in seven subject areas, related to secure destruction well that's all the news i have for this week if you have anything to report let me know so i can share it i'm gonna get craig bush on the line hold tight while i do Craig Bush is the founder, president, and CEO of Bush Systems based in Barrie, Ontario. His fingerprints are all over the shred and rim world with collection containers and consoles and a whole lot more. You've no doubt met him at industry conferences over the years, but maybe not known his full story. Today, I want to learn more about him and his story. Craig, are you there?
1: Hi Tom. I'm here. I'm glad to be with you. Hey
0: great to have you on the show so let's let's start at the beginning. Tell me how you learned to be an entrepreneur. Where did that instinct come from? It seems to me you've had it for a long time
1: I, I don't think anybody learns necessarily to be an entrepreneur. I think they are kind of born to a degree i uh, I started out when I was young had got a paper route then built up another paper route then bought another paper route and worked three or four paper routes and yeah. Then Got a little older and then was selling firecrackers in high school. <laughs> that, that was kind of the low light of my entrepreneurial <laughs> efforts, but uh, it just kind of went from there. But I just kept finding myself doing businesses, side businesses all the time. So it's kind of it's kind of evolved. It's kind of part of who I am.
0: So, even from early on, say like high school and stuff like that, you had different things going on. you were you always thinking, uh, how do I make money from this, or was it more the side of it that was just intrigued by the whole process of it?
1: I think it was both you know it's, it's, nice, it's nice to make money when you when you're an entrepreneur, but it's uh, but I just also enjoy the process. I found when I went to uh, to university that I really you know started doing businesses then and I that a lot more than doing my schoolwork, So uh, I was kind of doing business was almost my, my guilty pleasure when I was away at university.
0: Right. So 25 years ago, you started Bush Systems. So that's obviously a significant part of your life and has been for a long time. So what was the impetus to start Bush? What was the genesis of that? Give me a lot of the story that really led up to uh, making it all happen.
1: In entrepreneuring, you see open doors you you take a look at them and you walk through some of them yeah, and uh, for us, when I was in university, we just started into handling various material handling containers, just stuff that had presented itself to us uh, injection molded type containers and such, and then it evolved through connections into recycling containers and developed from there. so you kind of start off in a destination, but it's not always the path you end up staying on so so for us, it went from material handling containers, which is an entirely different business than recycling, but that's the door that opened, and uh, we walked through it.
0: Hmm. And so what was that door? Tell me what created the door to, into recycling.
1: Well, we were handling uh, material handling containers for a number of manufacturers, and one of them uh, came just one day and said, we've got a bid for doing some, um, some recycling containers. And that was a very new thing here in, in Canada, and we, uh, we were the representatives for it, and they won the contract, and then they couldn't produce the containers. It was off of a mold that they had just acquired. and It didn't work. And so we ended up making our own mold for it and then getting into curbside recycling, the blue box is what a lot of people know them as, and then um, just evolving and building more containers and, and just developing from there. So it just was something that, that presented itself.
0: So the blue box was the first piece of your puzzle. That, that was the first thing that you, you started creating.
1: Right, that was the very first proprietary product for us, right? It was the Blue Box, the standard 14-gallon Blue Box, started here in Ontario and then went other places, and then we expanded from there.
0: Wow, and so this is a 25-year-old business I I read on your website, so you've been at this a long time. So give me some of the, you know, were you ultra-successful right off the bat, or did you hit some walls early on?
1: Well, we, uh, with the Blue Boxes, we were really successful right off the bat, and you know, just couldn't couldn't make enough of them. But then, a little bit in, I hit walls. I had a molder that wasn't trustworthy. A mold maker that uh, got together with my molder and went into competition with us. Hmm. And so, I learned uh, to surround yourself with good partners hmm. uh, when you're doing business. You really got to rely on your uh, your subcontractors and such. And then also, I had really poor financial controls in the beginning, and so that was something that went hard on me. And so I learned from that to always be a conservative financial manager after that. And so it was probably good that I learned that lesson back then.
0: So along the way, and I mean, I know we could dig a lot more into Bush systems, but along the way you seem to, you know, found or be the founder of, or a significant seed uh, partner, or I'm not even exactly sure what, but you've, you've, Put a whole bunch of other businesses into motion over the years. Tell me a little bit about that whole part of your entrepreneurial life.
1: Well, there's been a few. We uh, founded a company called Integrated Molding that is still one of our primary subcontractors. It's an injection molding company, so that we kind of control it through our subcontractor, you know, our modes of production. And that's been a really valuable partnership for us. So I own that company and then started all source a number of years ago in the the document destruction container business and uh, divested of that last year. But that was a really fast growth significant uh, company. And really, um, I'd been a little bit in document destruction before, not in really document storage at all, but that was my my introduction. Hmm. That was my real introduction in a big way into document destruction and document storage. And we identified pretty early that there was gonna be a connection between document storage and document destruction going forward, so when we entered the, the shredding industry, we knew there was a tie-in to document storage and got involved in Prism right away. Hmm. So, and then uh, evolved into other companies, NetGain, that was just kind of an evolution with Drew Decker, who was a good friend of mine. He was just you know, really good at SEO and did a lot of stuff for us, and that evolved out of that. And then we do California Container, which manufactures a lot of our products for us, including the uh, shredding bins and such. Hmm. So there's just been kind of an evolution of all of our companies, are they may seem different, but they're all tied in strongly in, in some ways on the supply side or just uh, synergistically.
0: Yeah. So when, when you think about these kind of opportunities, does it go back to the way you, you described it earlier? It's just a door that you opened? Or do you actually have... Now that you've been at this a long time, do you have kind of a structure that you look for when you decide to get into a new business or a new industry? Is there sort of a set of criteria that you use to judge an opportunity?
1: You know, I think I think there's probably two. Is the people involved. You know, you, life's too short for getting yourself involved in business with people that you don't really like and really trust and have great relationship with. So right. The people are really important, and and the the math, the math has to make sense. And and a lot of businesses, you can sit down for you know two minutes with a cocktail napkin and figure out whether they're, whether they're going to be viable or not.
2: Mm-hmm. And then the ones
1: that that look like they'd be viable, then you do your research and you dig into them and find out more. But I, I think the people aspect is is the is the most important one. Mm-hmm. So. Some of the businesses I do, I do joint ventures, you know, 50-50 with another partner, and they're always the operating partner, the day-to-day operating partner. So there's a lot of trust there, and they just have to be great people.
0: Right. So is that sometimes a logical thing, or is there a lot of instinct or gut that really takes place when you're making those kind of decisions around people? I understand the math, you know, can make sense, or some instinct about... Uh, the math might say, yeah, this is a great one. There's going to be bigger opportunity coming like you did in the uh, in the recycling containers. But people, <laughs> I mean, there, there's a whole lot of stuff there that you can't logically figure out, you know, on paper.
1: I know it's true. And nothing's a, and nothing's 100% either. Eh, Tom? Yeah. That's, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we make some times we make mistakes on people. But overall, our success rate on people has been really good. And I think that is far more instinctual. You just get a feel for the person and you just kind of, you got to make a judgment call there. So I think you have with people, you go, I go mostly with instincts and then finance is obviously a logical thing.
0: Yeah. So within the entrepreneurial mindset, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, success, I think, leaves clues. And uh, you've been at this for 25 years. It's it's pretty evident that you've been successful at this. You've founded some companies that are doing some really cool stuff. So um, from that perspective, tell me... Uh, about your own success, if if you were to um, you know observe it rationally from a distance and and indicate or point out the things that are really the secrets to what's made you successful over the years, what are some of the the critical things you would describe about yourself?
1: I think I think innovation i don't I don't care for red oceans. you know I like to make new products in new markets and create create new things. I've never been a copier or somebody who who's does the same thing. I like to create new things. Hmm. And as a result, I think that that, that ends up being well-received, and it separates us from, from competition, obviously. And I think, apart from being conservative financial manager, I think that treating my people really well, getting good people and treating them well has been the big part. You know, our retention has been fantastic. We have lots of really long-term employees, and really minimal turnover. So I think when you do that, you end up building a really strong company long-term because you get a lot of people with a lot of expertise. So I would say, I would say getting great people and then treating them well and retaining them, hmm. that's probably the biggest component of it.
0: So what's a day in your life look like? Because that, to me, is a, a somewhat of a bit of a secret of, of how people become successful is watch what they do every day because their schedule tends to determine their priorities. So give me a sense of what a day looks like in, in your life.
1: They're all completely different. Really? That's what I love about my job, Tom. It's just, yeah, every there, there's not one day that looks like another. You know, as far as how I do things, you know, whatever changed for me in that more of my things are about personal relationship or kind of building block
2: Hmm. type
1: um, actions. You know, once upon a time I was, you know, doing everything. So that's, uh, so that's changed. So basically the things that I need to do that I need to book time for meetings and such, I block those off in my outlook. And then, you know, that's obviously the things that I have to do there. And then, and then I keep a to-do list of things that I need to get done and just get those done at the same time over the course of the day and you know, in the empty spots in the calendar. Right. So um, I wanted to, to, to tell your listeners about uh, a program, an app I pulled down on my iPad, which is called Paperless, and I've been looking for a great to-do list yeah. forever, and this Paperless is fantastic.
2: Hmm. Okay, now,
1: it does cost like $2.99, the cost involved. Uh, but um, it's been a really great program because it actually allows me to make notes under each of my to-dos, like run separate lists, with two dos in each one and then a lot of note section for each to do so I can almost treat it like a project tracker as well hmm. so it's it's been a, I've just been using it for about 3 weeks and I'm in love
0: with it oh very cool very cool. Well, as you know, this show is about the records management and shred industry, and you've really been a part of that for a while now as you described. Tell me what it is about this industry that you liked in the beginning and why you like it so much as a manufacturer who who sells to the industry.
1: I love the people in the industry. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of really nice people. You mm. know, of of all the shows I ever do, I you know, I love the Nade and the prism shows the most you know I, I just i I like seeing the same people over and over again, but I like meeting the new people and they're just it's just an industry that I really love, and I love the vendors too yeah. so it's just an industry full of really cool, progressive people, and I like coming I like hearing their their ideas you know and and when we come and bring new products to them. I love getting the feedback and and more ideas, and it's just people are bright, and I enjoy that
0: hmm. that's it, yeah. So as a manufacturer, I'm sure you're constantly looking at trends in this industry. Are there any trends you're particularly interested in, any trends that you see that might be helpful to other people who might be listening?
1: Yeah, I see two trends. One is that I see more and more people in document storage getting more active in document destruction. And I think the reason for that is the... The length of the shredding sale is a lot shorter right. than uh, for document storage, so that it's a good entry level, a quicker way to get in, build trust and such, and then evolve into the into the storage aspect afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I see the the shredding as a real quick entry. I know a lot of the guys have had shredders they've worked with in the past, but I think that's changed over time as there's been acquisitions and such. So I see the that see more storage companies going into shredding as a, as a way of building their customer base for storage as well. That's, that's one. The, the second one is in the shredding industry over the years, it's been about faster and faster trucks, stronger trucks, that sort of thing. And I think that there's going to be more of a focus coming on efficiencies outside of the truck, Okay, more on routing, more on collection time at the container, more on being able to not have to pick up when bins aren't full that Sort of thing like there's new software now for being able to sense whether a bin's you know what stage a bin's in right so so particularly pickups that are art efficient I see I see that changing it so you know because a lot of the, in the shredding industry the technology for things how things are done hasn't changed a lot you know yeah. since like 1970 right it's it's, yeah. it's still kind of guess when the bin is full so I see that being a big change Uh, At Big Dog, which I neglected to mention earlier, (laughs) is one of my businesses, at Big Dog Shred Bins, uh, we're just coming out with a uh, slam lock on a cart. So the efficiencies of being able to go just do a quarter turn to open the lid and then not have to use your keys to relock the lid again, I think is another efficiency. So I think we've seen the efficiencies happen at the truck, but as far as routing, collection time, time at the containers, I see that changing um, to become more and more efficient as, as there's more competition.
0: Yeah, so this is going back to, I think, what you talked about sort of being an innovator, and you flew through that so quickly, that slam lock you talked about. What, what is that?
1: Well, it's a lock that locks itself automatically. Oh, okay. So we've been offering those on the consoles for a little while, where you know, normally you have to turn a, a full turn or two full turns with a key to open a cabinet or right. a, a cart. This is just a matter. You turn it a quarter of a turn and then pull your keys out, Finish what you're doing with the, the cart or the console, and close the door, and it self locks. You're oh, not having okay. to rifle through your keys again, put it right. in, and relock it all over again. So right. there's just then it's just an efficiency there, and it, hey, that might only be 10 seconds, okay? But 10 seconds times a lot of containers each day, times a lot of weeks, you know, it it adds up into a huge return. I, I got punched up the other day, and it came up over about I think of over four years about a sixty dollar saving for having something that self locks.
0: Hmm. Wow, so so that that tiny little that little change creates an efficiency yeah. that that improves route, and you might get two more stops in as a result of that, or one more stop, which which gives you a potential uh, increase in revenue.
1: Exactly, an advantage in the marketplace. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, I, I don't know if you heard the show in the last couple of weeks with Richard Reese that I did, but uh, he he talked about the industry will improve going forward as it understands the power of efficiency. So, I mean, you're you're talking in the same language that, that he did, uh, that efficiency becomes a critical part of, of what's going to make you successful going forward.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's the same across every business right now. You know, it's been a tough few years, I think everybody has to get more and more efficient.
0: Yeah. So in terms of the role that this innovation side of you has, you know, because you, you're feeding out this innovation into your various companies uh, or the companies that you've maybe founded or are even changing the industry, where do you think, say, five years down the road, the whole thing's going to be in terms of the way things are collected and, is it changing? Do you see significant changes, or or is it going to just be that incremental efficiency that's going to be the big deal five years from now?
1: I I don't think, I think it's going to be the incremental efficiency. Okay. And I think that one thing that could happen, and I've kind of been seeing maybe this could be happening for a while, is, is uh, you know, if everybody's driving the same, you know, on-site shredding truck, okay, and selling the same sort of service and the security on-site shredding truck, the like one point of time, you sold on-site shredding because it was more secure than off-site shredding, or the, you could sell that perception anyway. Right. When everybody's selling on-site shredding, I think people might stop talking about the beauty of on-site shredding, okay? which creates an opportunity for efficiencies in off-site shredding. Hmm. So hmm. I could just see that that pendulum could swing a little bit if, uh, if the on-site sh- uh, shredders just focus on each other. Right. Right. So there's opportunities for people who can be shredding 24 hours a day with a big plant-based shredder so and collecting in box trucks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so I see that coming down the pipe. But apart from that, I think all the other changes will be incremental. I don't see any massive paradigm shift coming.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, some, some really cool news. I mentioned it on the show at end of uh, 2012, but you guys were awarded the manufacturing business of the year. Tell me more about that win in your local community.
1: Oh thanks I appreciate that Tom. Uh and I appreciate you mentioning that before. Uh it was just a nice acknowledgement by our Chamber of Commerce here for uh, we've kept all of our manufacturing here in North America. Everything we do is manufactured in North American. We do uh, injection molding and a lot of uh, um assembly of our products here in, in Barrie, Ontario and it was just a recognition for that and I think being innovative in what we do and it was just it was uh, nice to be recognized and it was a good night out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: On <laughs> what I know of you and your team, that's probably not un- unusual to have a good night out. We like to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. So looking back over the last 25 years, what would you say is the thing you're most proud of in all of it? I, I know you talked about your successes and things like that, but uh, if, if you could be really, um, forget being humble, uh, what, what are you most proud of when you think about the, the business that you've built and developed and businesses and success you've had? What are you most proud of?
1: I think uh, I think it's building a good environment where people are happy. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, we've had you know, if you go through the years, people go through personal problems at home, and different things happen, and a lot of people come home and tell us that you know they love coming to work; it's their happy place, and it's just having an environment. It's the energy. We just moved offices, about 10 months ago into a really nice new facility and just um the energy is so good it's just i love coming to work and i think uh, i think most people share my view on that and i think we just kind of created a great team and a great energy and just a great place to be and that's what feels that's what feels the creation of that is what feels best to me
0: yeah oh that's very cool so looking back over the past 25 years with all you know today If you could go back to when you first uh, got involved and and start building Bush Systems, uh, what would you potentially do differently? What changes might you make if you had the opportunity to?
1: You know what? I I, I totally know what I would change. Back when I was 25 or so, I guess when we first got into the, the blue boxes and business was booming, I was really I enjoy- got a new apartment in Toronto, a new car. I was really enjoying my life, and <laughs> not focusing on business that much. And I let my competitor in the recycling boxes get ahead of me. And they they started first, but I could have closed the gap. And uh, I was focused more on just enjoying life rather than taking business that seriously.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so there were probably you know three years in there where I could have really built the businesses and really you know leapt ahead if I'd really had my eye on the ball, but. And no regrets. I enjoyed what I did during the time, but yeah. uh, that that would be something retroactively go. Ah, why didn't I seize the opportunity then? So right. that's uh, that. would be the one.
0: Right. Yeah. That's it. So you you've built businesses with partners, as you said. You go sometimes fifty fifty, or you seed something, or whatever. But um, in those cases, what's the advice you give your partners? As they're the operations, often as you said, the operations lead on these. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be the sort of business expertise, the um, you know some of the financial resources, those kind of things. But what advice do you give your partners? What advice do you bring to the table based on the years of experience you have? Or what advice might you give somebody trying to start or begin a business? What What are some of the secrets that that you think really make a business work in the long run?
1: Yeah, I think I think structure. You know having a, a structure to think proper processes, workflows, that sort of thing so that you're really able to fulfill behind what you're doing mm. and just be aware really on the operation side and then you know as a, as a great marketer Tom, you know that that marketing's super important but a lot of entrepreneurs kind of come by that naturally where is I find that the the operation side tends to be not not in the sweet spot as much with a lot of entrepreneurs, so that's more of a learned behavior mm-hmm. rather than uh, than one that come to the table with so kind of an energy marketing, that kind of stuff they have that already kind of at least for me, I had to learn the operational stuff okay. and, then, and then later on, get really people who are really good at operations and get rid of the operational stuff and get it off my plate because I shouldn't be trusted with that right. so <laughs> so it's it's really tending to the operational side, getting the systems, getting the software getting getting the things you need to make sure that there's a proper flow all the time so that that you're meeting your customers' expectations.
0: Hmm. So if you hadn't been doing what you've been in terms of Bush Systems, what other thing might you have wanted to get into in your life or what other profession would you have possibly taken on if it hadn't have been this entrepreneurial role that you play?
1: Yeah, I would definitely have been doing Jeep tours in Acomel, Mexico.
0: Jeep
1: tours. Uh, well, no. Jeep tours. I said, if I, met, if I mess this thing up, I'm packing up and I'm moving to Mexico. Acomel's about an hour south of Cancun. I'm going to run Jeep tours, surf, and hang out with the banditos and just <laughs> I have no responsibilities right. and and my buddies were all going to come with me you know they were and so uh so that would have been my alternative uh, life and we probably wouldn't be having this interview
0: what a blast well <laughs> craig it's been it's been uh, really cool hearing your story and uh, i know how much you and your uh, innovations have really fueled much of what happens in this industry at least from a collection side and uh, your fingerprint is is over the industry and um you know from me to youth uh, thanks for all the work you do in the industry and uh i really appreciate you telling us your story and sort of your perspectives on things
1: oh, i really appreciate that tom it was fun thanks for having me
0: all right bye 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 Quite the story. Craig is pretty humble about his success, you know, but he's really done some cool things in his business and his related companies. So thanks to him for joining us on the show today. And thanks to you as well for joining us. I appreciate you coming and stopping by every week. I'm also incredibly thankful to O'Neill Software, who sponsored the show. O'Neill is committed to creating great software for your rim service business. But more than that, they keep pushing the envelope in the development of their products, both for what is required today, but even more importantly, what will be happening in the industry tomorrow. While well, it might seem like it's not that important, we know that in two, three, five years from now, you'll be glad they kept moving themselves forward on your behalf. And you can learn more about them and their software at O'NeillSoft.com. Uh, that's it for today. We'll be back next week with another great interview for you. Have a great week. We are out of here. Thanks
1: for joining us on the RIMPRO Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is
2: produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.